stack. Triple stack? Like your buns triple stacked. But um nice. <laughs> That reminds Welcome. me of um that that one thing about uh uh the sponsored drink of this episode. Boca Haram's uh energy No, no, fuck <laughs> don't remember that? Did you hear that on one of the episodes? God fucking damn it! I... <laughs> Oh Shout out Ricky. man! Well, now I know you listen. Fucking hell! Did I did I tell you what Ricky would used to do to me on this yes. fucking podcast, yes. Leon? Yes. No. No, I know. It's, okay, fucking. I haven't seen so, the episodes. God, when I when I finally started recording, about halfway through for campaign, no, probably towards the end of campaign one and moving into campaign two, because I remember he did that shit when I was still at Wake Forest, so he had to have it under campaign one. Like, I, we would wrap up the session, I'd be getting ready, but like, or people, so we would wrap up, um, it'd be like right towards the end, so we'd get a final word in. Or we'd keep going, and I would forget to disconnect Craig so that the recording would be finished. And it'd be like like an after show thing that you would hear on like some, you know, song or something. And he'd be like, this show is sponsored by Boko Haram and some other bullshit. <laughs> and I'd be like, thanks, man. That That's cool. All right. Well, <laughs> explicit tag for everything else you just said, but also... Just fucking God. And it wasn't even just that. Like, there'd be some word stuff he'd say just to fuck with me. But he yeah. knows how much I hate having to go back and edit audio if everything goes smooth. So he would do that. Be like, well, now you have a choice to make, Thomas. You can go back and edit out that 30 second clip or you can fucking keep it up. Like, my laziness knows no bounds, you bastard. <laughs> I love Ricky so much. He's so R- funny. <laughs> He's great. Oh my! Honestly, it would be both a blessing and a nightmare if Ethan and Ricky were in a campaign together. I don't. Think, I don't think I could survive as a DM if I had to deal with that tomfuckery. I mean, God. that just sounds like a bonus episode right there, Thomas. It probably could be. Honestly, so God, I'm pretty sure we did a, a drunk episode uh, one time because the party just finished doing something crazy. And they're like, yeah, no, no, like we should celebrate at a tavern, have like a whatever episode, but we should all get drunk. Be like, you know what? I'll be down for that. So we did that and it went interestingly. Um, But then there was another time where I just wanted to completely just improv the entire session. I was getting a little bit more comfortable with what I could do. Uh, People are saying that, you know, maybe not to do as much prep. And I was like, all right. So I had this little one shot for Brandon because his character was going through this type of metamorphosis and uh, he was Azeroth and there was a there was a whole thing. He had like his uh, ghost brother with him or something. And so he decided that his character, because they don't have alcohol on Azeroth, that's not a thing. And he was going to go out on a bender. So I was like, all right, I'll get drunk and you can get drunk and we'll just see where the session goes. Honestly, probably one of my best sessions. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I understand why Dungeon Masters drink from time to time on the show, not gonna lie. I mean, I used to... But... Yeah, but anyway, welcome back to another Marvels and Maniacs podcast, where today I will be having Leon and Ethan on the podcast, and just to go over a couple of topics, I'm running the new campaign, getting some of their thoughts, but also, uh, Leon and I wanted to give a lot of praise to our boy Ethan here. And I'll tell you why. Ethan is such a good player compared to where me and Leon were starting out with D&D. Honestly, and I was telling, talking to Leon about this the other day, if we didn't know that he had never played a TTRPG before, we wouldn't have believed him. I would have called him a liar. Because 
the progression and the way that you think things through and tackle combat and RP and communication, probably, I think, Liam, you had said, like, you didn't get to that point until you were about, like, five years in. I'd say probably for me, like, until it was, like, four, four and a half years in. So... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like we had we had some some starts, some rough starts, but you know, I feel like um I just the way you think about how you go about situations, um the way you interact with other party members is very inclusionary, things like that. Um it's things you usually see in more veteran players. Um with all the fun, fresh creativity that new players have, because sometimes oh, yeah. veterans, we get in ruts. It's so bad sometimes, because sometimes it's like, all right, we're going to go at a slow pace. We're going to check for traps every five feet, and it gets like really like boggy sometimes. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would say um, one of the best new players that I've had an experience <laughs> of playing with. Um, <laughs> and I say that with a very large bank of new players. I have taught yeah. so many people <laughs> D&D. Um, but I will say great experience and everyone takes has different like learning curves and stuff of course but i would say that generally i don't see a lot of like some of the new player issues that pop up here and there um definitely not the five million issues i had as a new player so mm, you. kudos to you <laughs> and not you the ones thomas had either I yeah those were um... on the rooftop of in midday but sneakily we'll definitely get into that too it was it was rough for sure. It was it was not good by any means. So, but wow, uh, that's high praise coming from you too. I'm very grateful. Uh, you guys are having a good time, and I'm I'm grateful to be able to participate. Um, I know it's always a chance people take whenever they bring on new players. So, it's uh it's really cool to both have the opportunity and, um meet your guys's expectations so uh, i'm very grateful thank you of course man and so i i something i also wanted to i know we had talked a little bit about it too but what i guess why the comfortability uh now i know you said it wasn't something you were really as into or didn't have the opportunity to do as much so what about that um in in what space like can you give me a more so like, like do you Specifically with our group in in getting to it, do you think you would still have the same level of you know comfortability interaction with other groups, or uh, do you think like you know just looking back years later now that you're just it's something you've been wanting to do for a while that you're so comfortable with it? Like, was there anything that changed or? Um, I definitely think it's it has a lot to do with the people that you're playing with. Um. If you're comfortable, it makes everything a hundred times easier. Uh, you know, if you're in a car ride, you know, or a road trip with a bunch of strangers and a song that you know on the radio comes on, what are the chances you're going to sing along to that song on the radio, right? Probably very slim. But if you have a bunch of hombres in the car with you and you guys are on a road trip together and you guys are super comfortable with each other, y'all are probably all going to sing that song if you know it right it's just that kind of vibe and you guys make it so warm and open uh for new players to come in and play i know lucas has just been blown away by the experience he was super nervous at first and um for those of you that haven't haven't caught an episode yet the um lucas he plays rat in our campaign and it's my little brother but he uh it's his first ttrpg campaign and i think he's knocking it out of the park as well super fun 
Uh, you guys should definitely give it a listen. Our uh, backstory episode's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I think that it has a lot to do with the people and not so much my comfortability with trying to play the game. The game mechanics come with time, like anything, but the people are what make D&D special, I think. All right, that was beautifully said. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And I could definitely agree that it's definitely the people that really do make a difference because, like, early on, I would say I caught on to mechanics incredibly fast. Um, and that was the thing I was comfortable with most was mechanics. And um, it gr- gives a great backbone when you know all the mechanics. But one thing you can't really – it takes time to curate is a good group. And a good group that respects each other and has a similar goal. Because, like, you can play D&D with people of all different play styles. But if there's, like, a level of mutual respect and um, a level of understanding and a really good DM that orchestrates it, it really just makes that environment. Which I think Tom's did a really good job with this group of, of building it. Because, like, normally I'm really bad with new people. Um, terribly bad with new people. and for only having Thomas and Veronda being the people I'm really familiar with. Cause I remember, I, I remember you from high school, but like, we didn't really talk that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for being with three brand new people, I just met to be comfortable role-playing like I am. Um, it really shows to Thomas's skill of creating that setting. That warmth, yeah. I would say, I, try. Um, I, definitely I don't know. Try. It feels very open. Um, and I feel like, there's just like a barrier that's just gone. So, hmm. well, that's good. I'm really, I'm really happy to hear that because again, this is a new group that I'm DMing for. Uh, but I learned a lot from my old group. Well, I, I learned a lot from Leon, number one, because Leon is the one who got me into D&D and gave me a much better experience than how my first one went. Uh, and again, I think me and Leon can definitely get into that <laughs> in a bit. But Mechanic wise, just, you know, learning what does and doesn't work works for new people. It's also kind of a, you know, probing and prodding type of situation. You know, you can give certain scenarios to one group and they may flourish with it. You may give it to another group and they may just really not like it or it the way that they react to it could just be disastrous. So, it you know, it really does depend. Uh, some of the scenarios I would give my old group, I just would not even give to this group. Not no, no for the lack of, you know, trying or... I don't think you guys could handle it per se. It's just there there's certain cues and methods to to tackle that situation that I don't think you guys would catch on to right away. And that's just stuff that comes with time. But also going into your creative thing, yeah, it's it's always really good to have new players because sometimes we'll get stuck in that rut. And you know, sometimes we'll say no to one of the ideas, other times we'll say yes. But one of the most creative ideas that I think Ethan had that I unfortunately had to shoot down just because it could snowball into something else was, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to cast a uh, prestidigitation and you can soil something, right? So couldn't I just like poison them? <laughs> right. With shit. Yeah. That was my, yeah. that was my argument. <laughs> I'd like to cast dysentery. Yeah. No, I feel like right, everyone exactly. has had that thought about prestidigitation at least like several times. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, it, it it would have a snowball effect for sure and a lot of assumptions, but honestly, so many things. 
Yeah. So I think the what is the beauty and the worst part about that too, right? Is it's like sometimes the logic that goes with that is is pretty fair, but just per the wording that Wizards of the Coast, because they're very heavy with it, and then other things can just lead to unforeseen powerful loopholes. Like uh, one of them was you know being able to cast Sanctuary before they had to amend it, and then yeah. just using Call Lightning because once you cast it, you're concentrating. You no longer have to cast it. Sanctuary is. Uh, as long as you don't cast a spell or take an attack action, um, they can't target you with the spell. They have to make a save every time. So it's just different things like that. Uh, it's just, it, it's cool though. I love, one of the ones I really like though is Ethan really, really testing how much money he can make in D&D. Whether yeah. his characters are Oh, or I love my business um, players. They're the best. <laughs> yeah. Leon is the best for business players, but Ethan was... Everything was capital to him. Pro- honestly, probably even the body. If if it wasn't that they were evil people in in shit, I I think oh, he's gonna dude. like being part of the Monster Hunters Guild. Because at this point, he's like, well, before right, I couldn't sell a knoll to a random bystander to make a silver coin. I could maybe sell his broken or pristine crossbow. But now that I'm part of the Monster Hunters Guild, I guarantee you, Thomas, that that liver would probably be used for a potion or a cloak. <laughs> Oh, oh! I don't think Thomas has realized what what he has given oh, me. Oh, the, the floodgates! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to go, circle back to the prestidigitation thing. We, we did meet in the middle there, and you let me shit people's pants whenever they made me mad for RP, and I thought that was really fun, because um, it, it laid it laid the foundation to have some role play. And with the three people we ultimately played most of that campaign with, I felt brought some lightheartedness to it to what they probably felt was a very serious situation. So I, I, I was, I was grateful that I could show them that this is a game, right? Like it can be whatever you want it to be. So that yeah. was super yeah, cool. Nah. You gotta, you gotta throw them a bone sometime, you know? And yeah. like, usually I love just saying yes, just to see what happens. Cause like players will come up with the things you would not expect. And like some things that you give to players they will just attach onto something and you're like some sometimes it's the npc that you didn't have and then that's the npc that ends up being the one that follows them all the way to the end yeah no like in my last campaign we had um i had thrown in a random npc named dwight d eisenhower because i just had a name in my head and i was like mm-hmm. you know their last name's eisenhower his son's gonna be named dwight and dwight d eisenhower became one of the biggest political entities in wow. the set in the game so <laughs> it's always that un- unexpected thing that mm. just really makes D the hobby that it is it's just it that- is so interesting that you say that because that happened a couple of times in my old campaigns. So there's a split because I, I have a feeling I know what's in your head, Ethan, and we'll get to to Gizmo in a minute. Oh, no, that, that's yeah. I figured you were going to bring him up, but it's cool. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, But there would be some NPCs. I was like, all right, I have like this whole like cool backstory mm-hmm. plan. Like I really want the characters to gravitate to this person or I want to be a reoccurring villain. And the reoccurring, reoccurring villain just dies. First encounter can't help it. It's like. I could make him live, but it would be some bullshit, even from my perspective. Um, it's like, well, all right. I uh, He wasn't the, the main guy. Um, 
And other, other times where it's like, you know, fuck this NPC. And it's like, thought they were cool, but all right. And then other NPCs, like the, the reoccurring one, um, his name is Blake Strider, has been in the two campaigns. Um, I initially just had him there. I had him guide the group out of the Underdark. I was going to have him die and just have this whole thing. And two of my players cried that he had died. And they were like, well, is there any way that we can, like, save him or like do something with his soul or something else. I'm like, really? You guys like him? Like I wanted to do a little bit more with him, but I really didn't think any of you would like him. They're like, Blake is my father figure. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll roll with it. <laughs> Shit. So, but I'll, I'll let you speak for a little bit, Ethan. Oh, I, I was going to just, you know, to the whole creativity thing. I, I'm a very analytical thinker, right? So, to to play something that is definitely creative in nature more than analytical is foreign to me, but it's a muscle that I'd like to exercise more. Uh, and in playing D&D, I've picked up some other artful habits. Um, but something that I was super proud of and I thought about was with my goblin bard that I had played, I picked the College of Creation, and he was like, a barcherer, right? So he was like pretty much a fucking archerer that had bard skills. And my idea was <clears throat> I was gonna be able to cast creation and summon a ballista. And all I would do was I would have to carry around the ballista bolts, right? So I wouldn't have to lug this ballista around. And I was, I would be able to do what was it like 6d8 damage or some yeah. shit? But I, <laughs> I the only reason it didn't work was because I couldn't create something that valuable yet. But that yeah. was the that can be a reality, right? So yeah, that's a level 14 reality, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. It was uh, it was interesting because Thomas was like, "No, I'm for it, but you can't afford it." So I was like, "That's you know, yeah. that's fair. Rules are rules." So it's cool to play within the confines of stuff. I think because if you get it to run free, like they said, the snowball and everything. Yeah. So I will say because I was for, but Ethan said that, and my heart stopped. I was like, "Oh, good lord, I don't know what I'm going to do for encounters." So yeah, no, it's you definitely have those like points in time as dm where like your players will be like all right i have this absolutely wonderful idea but it's so out of bounds that you gotta like be like okay i gotta cut this shit short uh they are this is not gonna end well um but then there are just those times where you just say you know what fuck it mm. it's theirs um and then whatever consequences come out of it can come out of it um and i think it's like things like that where you're like yeah well you can't have it now but when you make enough money, you can afford it, things like that, as a higher level, it really sets up mm -hmm. players to be able to have things to look forward to, as well as things like goals, which I think it's incredibly important to make sure your players are allowed to have goals, um, see resolutions to those, and just have that freedom. Because I think that's what ties people to their characters sometimes, is seeing their character have a goal and complete it. Yeah. Definitely. It's uh it's interesting for sure. To yeah. Thomas's point about characters that had reoccurring um appearances, there was there just happened to be a well, what is it, a warforged that yeah. was a bartender. And oh yeah. Can do. 
<laughs> yeah, his name was Gizmo, and it was in our prequel session, right? Yeah, and that's I, where you met him. Yeah, and I pretty much just became attached to him because he wasn't goblin racist to my goblin. So <laughs> oh. um, that was pretty cool because everybody else was pretty goblin racist to me. Even my party members were pretty <laughs> goblin racist. <laughs> so um, it was interesting, but I had fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah. full disclosure, dude, like, I I initially had the idea in my head to have, you know, some part NPC get attached to you and end up, you know, being Malekith reincarnated. Mm-hmm. And um, you just end up being so, so connected to Gizmo. And like the first bit, I was like, you know, this was not the plan. I just want him to be kind of like a cool bartender. And I was just going to have every bartender be a Warforged for like comedic effect. <laughs> Um, but then I was like, nah, I can do something better with this. And it just, it really worked out. I completely changed my campaign story plotline a little, pretty much after, after that interaction. Mm. So, and it mm. also gave me a chance to, uh, personify a little bit, a character that I never got to see his story conclude in Connor's campaign, which was also kind of really cool. So, but mm. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Like once you start making so many characters and you familiarize yourself with more classes, albeit I have yet to play a druid. Or which is so unfortunate. Because druids are absolutely amazing in my opinion. It, it's weird too, which they are. Like druids are fucking strong. Like I, I want to at some point, it just hasn't happened. Um, because a really cool idea too, like if you were to multi-class druid and artificer, you have a transformer. That is what that is. Yeah, that was um, pretty sick. Or you could have an artificer and a druid, and you have a Ben 10 character right there. So, like, there's so many routes you can go, or you can just personify druid as Beast Boy. Like, there's so many different things you can do, which I think is really cool. I just, again, haven't gotten to it. I've never touched Sorcerer, and I've never touched um, Druid. So. Yeah. I mean, Sorcerer is fair. It's like a, it, it's a mid-range, but like, the thing is with druids that are like my absolute favorite is that as someone who likes to think a lot and has way too many thoughts you can do almost anything as a druid in combat it's more than just your like i hit every round type of class because you can think and not only that but like the way you can have control over a battlefield the way you can just like completely just fuck everything up for your dm it's yeah. the absolute my favorite thing to do as a player and just like my druid players yeah it's it's amazing i i recommend you try it sometime um and as a dm i say that too because we gotta we have to be on our toes we can't win all the time you know um we are most of the time our players win and we want them to win until we well, have to play, play against bad. us you're not yeah. supposed to play against the players. No, that's very I true. That's very yeah, no, true. I mean, I like, and I completely believe in the whole like, you know, We're you winning. shouldn't be adversarial with your DM. But the only thing is, is that my background, <laughs> my background was in old style. You're playing D and D, and you're gonna fucking win this game. It's because the old school style was a lot more. Um, it's a DM versus player mentality. If your character dies, it's your fault. A lot of things like that. Um, DMs were just law. Like, that was... DMs were law. You question your DM, they can just kill you next round. It's fine. Get over it. Make another character, you know? And, like, there's parts of that which are, like, you know, 
and it's not very conducive to modern D&D times, which I completely get. But another part of it is that as someone who has played it, and as someone who has been a PC who was the only PC to survive eight levels all the way through, there is something that just cannot replace that feeling. I don't know why, but it's just like a, you feel so accomplished after that, after you get out of a combat where the monster is resistant or immune to every single damage type, that is just like, you feel so powerful, that is almost unreplaceable. Um, mm. Which is why, as a DM, I'm like, I I like to not have some of the barriers like i don't want to i want to keep dice integrity i don't want to fudge rolls even if it'll kill someone um because i used to kind of play in a rule set of you're probably not going to die unless something kills you uh, I, I mean uh, you're not that makes sense but I, like I you're not going to die unless you're stupid um and that's how i kind of kept that for a while but now i'm like you know what i want them to feel like they can win and they can lose because when they lose Winning just feels so much better. And I remember with Rosh, who was one of my players who was pretty recent. I taught her like two years ago. Um, I killed her character because um, of a lucky crit of a very powerful magic weapon. Um, and she said, you know, I think you should kill PCs more. And I was like, you know what? I like hearing it from you. Um, and it was the most unfair death. But she was like, you know, I think new players need to experience what loss is like. And yeah. I was like, that's completely fair. Um, and I would cry if I lost my character. I swear to God, if you kill Radiance this early on before he becomes cool, I swear to God, look, Thomas. Look, I've already stated in the very beginning that not like, uh, while I will give you balanced encounters, the world is alive and you may find yourself in the middle of some shit where... You are not meant to win. If oh, you guys are creative enough or lucky enough, then you can. But, you know, you deciding to stay in that situation, not retreat or something else, even if all your party members say that that's on you. So I know, I know. And it just sucks because I am going to be the one who's going to stay last, too, because of how he is. And I'm like, man, I just want, I want you to see this warlock paladin build so bad. <laughs> I'm excited for all of your characters. I really never want to see a, char a character die, though, given we may have one happen third Very session soon. in. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's true. Which, I mean, you know, depending on what happens, could inadvertently affect all of you? I don't know. We got to see mean, how things play out. Happens. I mean, the DM guilt after a player dies, though, immense. I know it's, it's like horrible. I drank afterwards. I, I know, I know, I know. My I know. The day after he TPK'd his party, he texted me that he was sad. And then the follow-up text was, I'm going, I'm at a bar. And I was like, Thomas, <laughs> I know it's bad. I really do. And like, and after I kill Thomas, it doesn't feel as bad. But when I kill my other players, it's just like, sometimes it's just like someone actually freaking died. Because you get to know these people, you know? Exactly. As I don't think players fully understand that either. It's like, despite how neutral we may have to seem or not even seem but be during the course of everything we really do get attached to your characters those are stories that we get to like entangle in the world and yeah. to all the fucking prep time we do
Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's that, of course. It's like, dang, your character really just died like session 10. I didn't even get to introduce like your long lost brother or your mother that was actually the big yeah. bad villain that I had planned for. Like, what, what the f is to do with this? Yeah. And usually we can just like, like we recycle a lot dms do like those things those plot hooks that were never pulled we'll just use them later on you guys won't know but All when it comes to character true. stuff the way you kind of have to just put that to rest permanently sometimes because you're like well i can't do that because like that was that person's character's like thing and i'm not just gonna take that that was like their thing i'm not taking yeah. that away so with honestly the one ideas that do die it's always the player ones and it's all mm. the player backstory stuff because we can't just rip it because that just yeah those are the ones you really <laughs> so, can't do anything with yeah. they just kind of go up in flame at that they point. literally just die with the player and it's yeah. sad but it it allows you to see a new one though and that's always so refreshing so it's worth it that's interesting because i don't i don't really have any perspective when it comes to dm stuff right like i'm just i'm literally fresh player uh i wouldn't even consider myself like I, I'm amateur. I am, it's amateur hour over here at the Dibbles, but <laughs> the uh, it, it's interesting because I I never feel safe. I've never felt like I'm 100% in the clear playing with Thomas. I mean, he's been my only oh, DM, so so I so it's really cool to have skin in the game, right? Because there's always that chance where it's like I always feel like I'm cheating death in every encounter, even if it's like. You know, for vet players, it's like, oh, this is a cakewalk. Like, our first combat encounter was like, how many? There's like 22 enemies or something oh, like yeah. that we encountered. That was wild. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I've never seen this many enemies, but I also hadn't played with this many people in a party before. So I was overwhelmed. I was like, this is, one of us is going to fucking die. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And Radiance almost died. Yeah. So. But the odds that, like, were the, because, Sorry, continue. I, I'm interrupting. I'll, I'll I'll speak after. Okay. The um, yeah. Just just like to the point that like, it's interesting that DMs become attached to characters, and it's not like an asynchronous game, right? It's not like you versus them. It's everybody sort of trying to just tell a story, and it's just like the roll of the dice. Which, by the way, I am fucking convinced. Thomas uses loaded dice. Uh, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times I've rolled a nat 20 and he's matched my nat 20 on the same roll. So I mean, that's just Thomas being a cheater. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> you see off. it that way. Well, it's funny you say that, though, because Ricky, Ricky says the same thing. Though, Connor and I, I think I think even you said it, too. Like, there's a whole conversation you, me, and Ricky had where you guys were like, yeah, Thomas, like, you're just lucky and just don't fucking acknowledge it sometimes. <laughs> like... I'll admit, like, even during Leon, like, when you had me as the monster, I didn't roll, like, below a fucking, what, 13 until, like, the yeah, very end? No, yeah, so no, like, you, you rolled very, I do very have very uncanny low. luck in Dungeons it's and Dragons. It's kind of scary, honestly. I fucking love it. But now I'm realizing that luck does not leave me when I am the DM rolling for monsters now. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this no. may be a bit of a problem. And, I, like, I feel that, too, because sometimes it's like, man... I didn't, I didn't, I hit every round, like, and, and I have a paladin, and it's like, I hit my paladin with a 23 AC every round, what the fuck is wrong with me, but then next session, I'll have my goblin, um, Nothing but I always, number four 
of my monsters, any num um, any monster that's my fourth monster, chronically rolls ones. I don't know what it is, but chronically, it's always number four. It might be because I'm Chinese. I don't know what it is, but it's like number four. I had my one number four goblin roll a one three times in a row. Like it's that not, shouldn't be possible. I am convinced that there is a level. I, I, I have superstition. I am convinced that, and which is weird, me being in the engineering major that I am. So do I really believe this? Probably not. When it comes to D&D and dice rolling, yes, sue me. I'm convinced that there's a roll queue. I don't believe that it's random. I think uh, there's a fucking queue. Yeah. It's called gambler's fallacy. So, but, but, you know, you guys are getting all the bad rolls out of the way for me, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. Me just rolling a but, one on what I say my most important yeah. persuasion. Or, or that nat 20 on a skill check that doesn't really matter because you can't crit succeed on a skill oh, check. I'm like, that yeah, could have been no. used on my next attack roll. Absolutely. The 20, the nat 20 perception rolls are always the, the best worst things in the world, honestly. I'm waiting. I'm waiting until you guys are at that point where I'm just like, you think everything's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm always waiting. Yeah, like, and that's the fun thing with Thomas because he... It's, it's, it is Thomas, because even as a veteran player, I do feel on the edge of my seat. Sometimes with combats, it's like, as, as a veteran, you can kind of gauge things. Like, I knew I wasn't going to probably die in that combat just because, like, the way things went, the way, like, the HP was pretty low, we could get out of it pretty easily, things like that. You can just mm. tell, like, mm, hard encounter difficulty over time you just get used to that but like the way he can just like pull shit out of his ass sometimes when he's like on his feet and i'm like man i wouldn't even thought they could do that and mm. thomas is like nope it's written right here and i'm like uh. <laughs> well that's the fun part with intelligent monsters though right or like because i mean i'll let you on this too because i think there needs to be like a level of player for understanding but some enemies just cannot be surprised so yeah. there may be an encounter where you guys like genuinely prep to like ambush this like boss or like, this group of monsters or whatever. And I just cannot, I have to try my damnedest to keep a straight face. Cause I'm like, man, if only you knew that I'm just going to have you guys roll initiative when you, when you say you want to attack, like yeah. it's going to be unfortunate. You're going to be like, well, we're ambushing them. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of uncanny. As soon as you pull the drawstring, uh, you don't make a sound, by the way. They turn to look at you. Roll initiative. <laughs> yeah. So, Rat is like, oh, I rolled a 20 on stealth. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, you you really think you're hidden. Like, you don't make a sound. Think's the keyword. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that. So, like, does that null the nat 20 roll? Yes. So nat 20s on skill checks. Contrary to popular belief, absolutely don't matter. That number is the number. If someone, if a bard with expertise rolled an 18, got a high number higher than your nat 20, uh, it doesn't matter. They win. So it's like those little rules. Um, honestly, critical hits are the only in a attack action um, or spell. Um, but even like certain like things where it's like, a lot of the time DMs are pretty lenient where they'll say, we'll give an extra thing just because, you know, it's special. It's a 20. But for the most part, it's not necessary by all means, which yeah. feels wrong, but at the same time, it wouldn't it wouldn't play out very well because say you have someone who's like 
terrible at something, but it's then like they roll. Two. Yeah, they have like a negative two. They roll in that twenty. Wow, do they like automatically know the entire history of the world now? It just it makes less sense than critical hits because when it's a critical hit, it's like this person has been practicing this weapon, yeah. and you could always and, like, get a lucky hit. Because so. like, say say their AC is um you know twenty seven. And you okay. crit to hit with a 26. Even though you don't meet that AC, that is the only thing that will bypass any, you know, what you could call like prerequisite or, or limitation. Critical to hits will always hit no matter what. Call but, that weak point, so. Yeah, but like, you know, say, say the DC is, I don't know, like, I'll, I'll say 20, say, I'll say 24. And okay. you crit on the athletics check or acrobatics check or uh, with your thieves tools check. And you, the only thing that you can get max is a 23. You still yeah. fail. Right. No. So, but I guess what I'm saying is like, because the roles are already like pre-death, like the DC is already set for some of, for this stuff. Right. So like, and in the example of like a perception check, right. If it's, I don't know, if the DC's 20, I guess that's like a hard DC. I still don't know. Really no, no, how. so so it yeah. is. Um, you <clears throat> can classify DCs. They technically go up in increments of five, but you can, it's up to the DM, but normally goes like five is like, you're, you're meant to succeed no matter what. 10 is like baseline, just give me a check. 15 is like medium difficulty. Um, anything above that, typically like anywhere in the realm of like 16 to 20 is hard. Uh, 25 is very hard. Like you're, it's very yeah. unlikely that you'll succeed. And then yeah. the limit is 30. 30 is near impossible. Yeah. Technically though, both in rules and even as DMs, there's no limit to DCs. I could just set the DC at 40 and just have it to where you guys are not meant to succeed at all. Like it's a locked yeah. thing. Yeah. So. Usually I don't make them roll though, because it feels terrible. Yeah. If you roll... If you're a person who's the best at what they do is rolling and they don't make it with a nat 20 and you still say it doesn't work, it feels bad as a player because then it just feels like why did I try? Um, Usually I just say it's impossible. Like I just flat say, yeah, that's impossible. Would you like to try something else? But Because like usually if you're rolling against something you do really good, it just feels like you're being cheated. It can be deflating, I would say. Deflating. Yeah. yeah, so I usually I don't make any DC that isn't possible. I just don't make rolls for it. Now, okay. uh, unless like it's something different, like say like uh, they're like, oh, I tried to. It's a coded message. I want to try to discern it. It's like, okay, you got a you know a really high roll. You know, like twenty six or whatever on your investigation check. You can't solve it, but you do know that you need to cipher that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, any okay. additional effects? Um, I love playing with time for some of my things where it's like, yeah. yeah, you got it after five hours, but you still got it. Um, things like yeah. that where, but you, mm. as you get used to the system, it's like you can kind of just guess what a DC is by like feeling. Yeah. Right. So, so I guess like, so really it's to the discretion of, the dm so if the dc was set at 10 right which is easy let's say it's for a perception check i roll a nat 20 the same the information you would give me 
is the same information I, I no. would get if I was 11, if I rolled an 11. Mm-hmm. Rules as written, yes. Technically. Okay. Rules as written. But, but usually we'll give you extra info just because it's yeah. what we should do. So I, I did some reading, actually. Uh, There's like a Pinterest chart that I saw, and it was a really good example of uh, verbal imagery and descriptions and additional lore or additional info, depending on the height of the check. So say you got a 10 and you get an 11, right? It's like, okay, basic information. Now, say you get like a 15 or a 16. There's an additional piece that I might add that could either... Rather than just what face value you get, it could lead you to another clue. You may notice something extra that was missed, an extra note, a key, j- just something. Something else that could be used for later in the dungeon or, you know, later with info. Like, for example, the the pin. You know, if you rolled, then I was having you make perception checks and you got like, I don't know, like a 12. Say, so, okay, you are able to see the pin clearly and this is what it is. That's it. You know, 17 or higher, it's like... You clearly see this pin, and I can tell you exactly what the heads are, like whether it's an animal or something else. And you think you've heard rumors about some type of shadow organization. So now it's not just like, oh, I have no idea what to do with this information. It's like, oh, I've heard rumors. Okay, where? Or, oh, I've heard rumors. Okay, but you said shadow organization. I could assume that means that they're probably like, you know, co- covert. Like there's a little extra something that you have to work with. Right. Um. A really good one is persuasion checks, I think is the best way to describe it. Yeah. So say you're traveling um, across the sea and there's a nearby isle shrouded in fog. It's like, oh, okay, well, if we keep heading this way, um, you know, it'll be an extra, you know, four days. Uh, Captain, you know, me and my group are trying to find the Red Maw sunken treasure, the, the ship that disappeared long ago. And you get base... Uh, you fail, it's like, oh, you know, he seems really reserved, doesn't want to talk about it. You sense that there might be history there. Base check is, you know, he'll tell you a little bit about it. He'll be like, yeah, um, you know, I had an encounter with it once long ago, but it brings up some bad memories. Talk to so-and-so when you get to the island. Uh, higher check, you know, you may be able to report this person. Maybe you're more charismatic. It's like, you know, it takes a little bit, but you're able to get it out of him and, and wheedle him. And he ends up sharing the story about how he went looking for the treasure once. So now you have a little bit more backstory. And he's like, yeah, uh, if it wasn't for that damned island, you know, on, you know, when we entered or, you know, maybe if it wasn't for the rocks that were right there, uh, really well hidden in the cove, our ship wouldn't have crashed and the story could have played out differently. And, you know, then he'll say, but, you know, learn more and you get to the island. Um, I'm heading to bed, whatever. But now it's like, oh, well, now I know that, you know, we need to navigate better. And whether that gives you an advantage on your role or the DM just says, because you learned this, no check at all, you just remember it and you're able to helpful, you know, successfully navigate with your crew. You're able to avoid part of an encounter altogether, making the rest of the encounter easier. So it's also stuff like that. There could be information or things that you learned where if you do really well with my old groups and possibly even this one, I've just had them skip entire encounters because they learned so much information or there is something that they did, it would beget like they wouldn't be surprised, it wouldn't take this route, whatever it may be. So Okay. So then in RPing, right? So in having a conversation before I ask the question that would trigger a persuasion check, can I have a conversation with an NPC and then you're like, yo, this this character this player is really buttering this guy up. I'm gonna lower the DC. Does that happen or is it yes. already predestined? It, it happens. happens. It happens. Absolutely. And 
For me, anyway, I will say you might be able to test this a little bit. I I do like doing that, but I try to avoid doing it too much because it won't necessarily be viewed as favoritism, but not everybody's going to be as good at RP as you are. Not everybody's going to have the same build. So while I'm definitely more prone to do it, and I definitely have done it and do do it, I try to avoid doing it every single time because then it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so is such a good talker. Why don't we just let him talk all the time? It's like, yeah, but, you know, he's the ranger. You're the bard. You know, your character is <laughs> built for yeah. this. So yeah, yeah. even though you're not as well doing it, that's why often, you know, sometimes a lot for the prompt of, will describe how you do it instead of talking with me. While I do love the banter and I do love the RP, if you can describe how you're doing it and give me a, you know, fairly good way that you're going about it, maybe things will change. Maybe they won't, but let's see. So. Yeah. And like, I, to one point, it's almost like, kind of an encouragement where it's like i'll give it a mechanical benefit if you role play because sometimes sometimes yeah. you gotta like when when you're doing player management is what i like to call it it's almost like guiding kindergartners through class sometimes and it's like <laughs> if you do this i'll give you a cookie and things like that just especially for new players just to get them more comfortable and more used to things um right. over time I don't like to do it too, too much because then you'll have players being like, especially veterans, veterans don't shut up. Um, they'll be like, wait, do I get this if I do this? And then the bargaining sets in and you're like, uh-uh, we're stopping this. But when it comes to like every so often, like, you know, good performance, you're going to get a plus two, something like that. It's good to do, uh, I think, just once in a while. Can't do it too much because, you know, but right it's a carrot right like yeah, yeah it's a okay. carrot for sure um but like and once the training wheels are off it can generally stop but sometimes like when your players just do a really good performance especially your quiet one the, um, um it's uh, like you can't let this not go uh, um you can't let this go bad like do you know how exactly. bad that looks like yeah. you just can't let that happen and like sometimes even though your character puts on like a great performance if you roll a one you roll a one maybe make it like the npc just isn't taking it that day or something yeah. but it all happens like it, it just happens sometimes other times so, though if i have like a really good npc i'm like yeah it's gonna be like a hard like a really hard check to get this guy to budge or you know similar to what was happening with malthus you rolled a pretty decent uh, check but he just was not letting you be no whatsoever. i rolled a one bro what do you well mean, you rolled a one I'm talking Sorry. about when Tib was talking. Oh, uh, normal, yeah. Uh, which, that's something you'll learn about, too, which I, I actually, this is a great point to bring up. Uh, <laughs> so, differently, in the last campaign, like, you, there weren't any repercussions. And I'm not saying every time you do that, there will be. But, nobles are going to be a little different. Um, if you Careful just tip. do that openly, you may be challenged to a duel. Your honor may be tainted. What I'm really excited for is you may eventually learn that your words do have consequences. And you may be wandering the city trying to get a contract, and when you go to either turn that contract in and get less money, or go to the Entertainers Guild and be like, hey, we want to set up and you know collect this contract and make it official, they're going to be like, actually, you've been blacklisted. I cannot give you that contract. Yeah. I mean, we'll play it out, I, but yeah, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and, like, Tib's character, right? The character. Yeah, no, that, that's very fair. I, I applaud you for, for playing your character. No, that but was that was good. Honestly, now that I have gotten to gauge too, and this is where it really comes in to see character development and player restraint. Because regardless, character bleeds in all the or players bleed into the character all the time. Mm -hmm. Is when I intentionally probe the party, 
and I see if you guys can hold out and just let things play out to move on, or if one of you is going to be baited. Because if oh. I can just if I can only bait <laughs> one of you, that's all it takes. Yeah, it <laughs> really does. A DM or a player, all it takes is one person to be baited. <laughs> And, and sometimes you just, as a DM, you just know it, and it's a little metagamey. But yeah, no tip. Je- Malthus was what, what um, he was tame for Zerathia. Uh, he wasn't as uppity nearly. He's close to retirement. He's a family friend to Radiance. Um, he was hard on him, but that's not nearly as bad as what it would be like in Zerathia. I was like, I was thinking like, man, if our group ever goes to Zerathia, the way I'm going to have to like sit you guys down and and we're going to have to have like a little discussion. I'm going to make a little PowerPoint presentation um, because you guys will get arrested. Straight up arrested. I'm going to get arrested actually if my dad is going to be like, oh, well, what charge? Well, because uh, Noble Bimbledinger, whatever, uh, said so. So you know, come quietly. Or well, right. So you, so Tib is from a forest that's getting chopped down by like lumber workers, right? Yeah. And people that are posh typically come with entitlement, and that's what Tib saw, right? Was oh, absolutely. He is so, so entitled, bro. <laughs> exactly. So you know, it's too. Tib just wants people to look him in the eye is what that is um, instead yeah. of just being dismissive of it and giving people the business, I feel like is a good way to show respect is earned, not blindly given. Right. And I'm hoping uh, I don't want to say this to Thomas cause then he'll make it. So, and I'm going <laughs> to roll shitty on it, that, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll say it for the, for the podcast. I'm hoping that there's some kind of, challenge or something at this carnival we're at and i am gonna try like for archery or something and i'm gonna try and hit that thing fucking perfect and if i hit it perfect i'm gonna ask thomas for a perception check to see if mouthwash is watching me so like i love that you call him that that was initially the the thing though and that also helps build your your party's renown though right like right. that, that's a good thing. I I'm glad you all took the hint that this carnival was more than just festivities. Like I want it to be a little whimsical for you guys to just have fun and you know talk to each other. But mm-hmm. there are other reasons for this stuff being here too. So yeah, I I really applaud how like you handled that with with mouthwash. I mean honestly, it was so entertaining in my opinion. It was and, like. It w- it just it just worked so well mm. between everyone there. I was like, man, and honestly, it was like again with Thomas catching people off guard. Me as a player, I had no idea that he was going to be there. Like, oh, I, absolutely, I figured something was going to be. Fucking I well, up. like I figured that like the way this was going to happen with the whole um, joining the sons of the sword and whatnot, me and radiance, both, we both thought I was going to show up there, be like, Hey, and then try to dip out, not be like, uh, I didn't think someone was going to be there to like validate and check. Watch which, me squirm. Yeah. I'm watching me squirm, which honestly would have made sense. Um, but yeah, no, I just didn't. We were also like, confused and i was like jesus christ 
I didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. It was a real ball. <laughs> so I will say on two fronts, sometimes your players will surprise you because they may make an inference that you didn't plan, but you can just roll with it. Um, that's what's about. You guys are about to have some some spicy stuff happen next session uh, oh, with 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 a character with Veranda and, and, and yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. so excited! For I'm that. so scared, dude. Last time she had a stuff. little fucking so, monologue, we almost killed her. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it'll it'll be interesting, especially because Ronda's way more comfortable RPing now. Like, I I cannot tell you it is night and day from the first two campaigns that I've had to where she is now. But I honestly, I need to talk to her. She deserves a an inspiration die because she was yelling. That was good. Like the her RP there, like. Are like what is happening? Yeah, like she was yelling, she was really going into like the racism bit, which I I didn't expect that to happen. But I was like, damn, like all right, like you're really like if your character is freaked out and this is what's happening, like that's that's it. Like I, it yeah. was it was fucking nuts. I was like, I it was talking about like being on the verge of tears and like seeing like her voice crack. I was like, damn, like no, nah, she's I, she's good. And with the character that she made, like Griff, uh falling into that man. Yeah. Like, honestly, solid character she made there with Griff. Very. And, like, I mean, but can you imagine how scary that must be? You're holding a stone. You're like, man, I feel fucking great right now. You go to sleep. <laughs> on life. You wake up, and there's a person with unknown, um, what's it called, of the liver? Um, jaundice of the arms. <laughs> with his arms down your shirt. You are the only girl in this entire group. Um, Look, I'm besides, just going for the Aaron, you know what I'm saying? Um, and you're sleeping outside all peaceful, and next thing you know it, you're getting assaulted for a reason. You honestly, you have no idea because this stone has gaslit you into thinking that it's perfectly normal. Man, the way that, like, she reacted so good to that as a character, it was... And that's what I love about, like, you know, sometimes, like, the dice and the RP, though, right? Like, that situation... If he had if he had just gotten a higher role, that that entire encounter oh, yeah. wouldn't have even happened. Like yeah. it's nuts to think about sometimes. Yeah. And then so. like Kikoro over there, like, oh my god, all <laughs> of what I was trying to develop with diplomacy out the window. Out he didn't the even tell us. Window. He didn't even tell us. <laughs> I he know he didn't. Let me torment that fucking poor man. <laughs> I know, like we were all like, we were, you and me, were both so ready to just like <laughs> fuck this guy up. We were like, you know what? I fucking hate. I hate Trikov. All my homies hate Trikov. <laughs> and like, he's just sitting there, like maybe we could be nice about it. And then both of us are like, no. Why would we do that? Because you're like. I'm not like that. I'm like, I'm 15. Why would I be nice to this random guy who's like a criminal? Um, and it was just like, we just kept getting worse and worse with our planning too, because it went from just like taking the caravan away to taking it and then sabotaging it. To like I fully believe that you guys would have followed through. So I don't know if you caught this. I fully believe you guys would have followed through with that plan. I don't know. I cannot remember who said it. It might have been Ethan. It might have been I, Garrett. I can't remember. One of you were like, oh, what do you think, Adam? And I was like, this is a first party asking for an NPC's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like really almost never happens. Um, yeah. But I was I like, oh, cool. This gives like some ways for some RP. And then I was like, well, because you did that, let me let me see if I can give you like one piece of advice and see if it changes anything. Because again, I don't want to influence, but 
like just being able to know knowledge helps. And I, I really was a little surprised when um, Aaron had said, well, if you take the car and you kill their leader and you get to the harvest and they get there after you. Won't you guys like have to run? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah, that, that was fair. <laughs> like, I mean, good point. I didn't consider that. And I was like, uh, really? Nobody fucking considered that? Like, no, I didn't consider that at all. And I don't think Radiance would have either. The good thing about playing a young child is that it makes up for all of my really bad perception in real life. And all my really bad ideas. Because then it's like, oh, yeah, he wouldn't know either. <laughs> it's just me being stupid as hell. It whenever I had pitched my idea, I guess I didn't say like, I didn't give it as a non-lethal example, but I had no intent of killing anybody. Oh, I had I was zero just gonna, intent like, of killing like, anyone. Like pushing him off the cart and just stealing the carriage and then leaving it at yeah. the front gate. I mean, like it's, it's not a car. It's a fender <laughs> so, bender at most. Yeah, yeah. If, if that's what you yeah. had thought about. I love then how Veranda automatically defaulted to death. Oh, she, she was like, she you was, know what? Why are you killing people here? Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah, like, that's no. when I like checked like, out. I was like, you know what? Yeah. This is beyond me, right? Like, I'm going to just yeah. sit back and shut the fuck up because I don't know what everybody wants. Like, I just yeah. wanted to get to uh, what Valora. That, that planning was so oh rough. God. That planning conversation was so rough between all of us because all of us were on, like, date total different books not even pages because <laughs> yeah, yeah. like because like i would have never like brought up killing because the thing is is like if my character even like he would not even think about killing another humanoid and like if he ever comes to killing another humanoid he's gonna he be distraught for literally months saying man i yeah, i'm gonna start a war one day <laughs> He's going to start a war, but the di difference is you got that, like, suspension of disbelief and power. Oh, sorry, like, you'll be I'm commanding the troops from the back. You won't be on the front lines. Yeah, I'm not, on the, I'm not on the front Typical lines. I'm, yeah, yeah, you know, so it's like I don't have to look at them in the eye like under Zerathian law like I normally would, so it hits a little different. But I, I can't kill people yet. That's that's right. It's written in stone in my personality. I was like, I'm not going to kill anyone like that would have... Um, like a person person you know monsters hit a little different leon is your character based loosely on the novel ender's game so i my character is based off of nothing uh besides my horrible production of creative thoughts in my mind it it, is, it has a lot of it resembles a lot of similarities i i think to to the ender's game main character I forget his name. Oh, yeah, uh, no, I haven't, like, read or anything, like, because usually I never really read fantasy, but, like, the, what the what started this character concept was, honestly, I was like, you know, one of them would be really cool, Paladin Warlock, and then I was like, I gotta make up something for it now, yeah. and then I'm thinking, and I'm like, I would really like to play this kind of, like, I want to play a kid, like, someone mm. younger, mm. um, and that's the first thought. And I was like, now, wouldn't it be wild if he was like, just like this kid who had to like grow up like way too fast. And like, I made this all up in like 15 minutes in on wow. lunch break at work. And I'm texting Thomas like, hey, do you think I could do this? And then I'm looking at his lore document and I'm and he's like, Serafia would be a good place you're from. And then I really fell in love with that like the world building of that place and then like mm. cadmir because he came up with the god which i still think i'm pronouncing wrong but you keep saying camden but i keep reading it i think camden 
honestly, I'll go with Cadmere. I like I like the sounding of Cadmere. Um, because okay, I also like, the God of Cadmere. variation from culture to culture. I think I think it's called Camden, the God of Kept Oaths. I thought it was C A M D E N, uh, but I'll I'll go with it's, Cam uh, Camnir. C A E D M Y R M. Oh, well, then you're honestly you you're I'll you're probably saying it better than I am. So I bring defaults sometimes, but yeah. I'm with yeah. it. So yeah, no, but it, it's I'm excited because now my oath is broken, so we get to see how I do with minus one to all saves. Which fuck you for that, by the way. I had no idea that was gonna come out of nowhere. Keep your oaths. Um, Keep them. Uh, yeah, clearly. Yeah, because the well, paladin oaths are so oh, god. Their their lore is honestly just just being able to gain your power, not not from a deity. Not from magic, not from a, a devil or pact, from a belief that you hold so strongly. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised that I've never played a paladin because paladin lore is like right up my alley. Oh, yeah, I love paladin lore. It's like one of the best lore, honestly. I don't mechanically, paladin isn't my favorite, but the lore there is so fucking strong. So I remember you saying the runes on your shield or your shoulder, your palder. Baldern, Baldens. Um, it's I have a tattoo of my family symbol, like on my like right here on my neck. It would be okay, and that's what's glowing red. That no. is now it is. Oh, that, so, yeah. was, that was a tattoo. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like okay. so, that is representable of my like of the big oath that I made, the family one. It's like my. It's like a four point a generational four oath. Generational uh, oath that I made like a couple months early because i was like you know it'll be i i'm gonna make it like a family thing like maybe it's like a coming of age thing at 16 they take the oath and he had to do it a little early because he's adventuring now mm. um didn't know when he'd come back so which which will be interesting too because perzerathian lore if you make a, a promise or if you have an oath like you know like like a really devout like you know i will help you or i will write this wrong or i will do this whatever Typically, it starts off as a as a golden rune of some kind, circular in nature, on a part of your body. Very light. Think maybe like Elden Ring-esque. Um, you, you fulfill that oath. You keep it. it. It glows a bright blue, and it'll even go through shirts and armor, and you can see like a faint glow. Mm. Um, you break it. You dismiss it. It turns red. Uh, Oathbreaker is what you are. So. So... Hmm. And it's, I, I I guess I'll have to ask your character uh, because I'm I'm curious now because have you broke your oath if you're meant to be a part of an adventuring party? Because you're a part of an adventuring party, and we're just not a, we're just not official yet. So interesting <laughs> yeah. you say that. We and Lena talked you say about that. that. I asked him that. Yeah, we we talked. Yeah. I talked to uh, Lena about that. Yeah. At Te first, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, te technically, yeah. I'm on the same train of thought with you, Ethan. Full disclosure, probably not. But Lean wanted that. <laughs> yeah. So. so I wanted it eventually to happen. Um, and I and Thomas was like, you know what? Perfect time. Yeah. I mean, next um, level, you're going into Warlock, so it yeah, had to happen going, sooner. It had to later. happen kind of quickly because, like, yeah. mechanically, I needed to go into Warlock yeah. pretty so, soon. Like, for um, now, we're saying there are other yeah. stipulations within that oath that were also broken. I like um, to think it's because I rolled so fucking poorly on that persuasion check to Malthus. Um, yeah. and, and the other part of it too is kind of like, 
I don't want to, I don't want to give, deities have a type of omnipotence, right? And, and you can view the sin character as you will, because I know it's not perfect, but in a way, even if the oath has not technically been fully broken yet, he'll know which way his heart is leaning in what is about to happen. Right. And what he's pretty much already setting out to do, which is being away from his family entirely. Um, so there are other things that kind of go on with that, that I think will make sense, but. So can, I, I just want to share an opinion. I don't want it to skew anything or change yeah, no, no, anything or whatever. Means- so, Whenever the heavenly flare happened, I assumed that was a divine being identifying our adventuring party as a, like a fate altering party, according to the lore doc. I did and, too. And yeah. so, in doing that, going to Valor's Harvest and then having Leon's oath broken is interesting to me, almost a contradiction. Um, because I had just, once that heavenly flare happened, I, I it was just assumed that we were a party. I I took it as that. It just wasn't an official like we aren't like the four skins or anything. You so know, like I, I will not confirm or deny that. But what I can say is not all deities agree with each other, and yeah. not all deities are automatically under Mount Celestia. Technically, deities have their own realms that they reside over. Every single one. And okay, they are um, either aligned with each, each other as allies or they are constantly in conflict. So a heavenly flare that happened where it happened is irrelevant to another portion of the map. To that, to those assigned deities in the region. Does that make sense? Yeah, so like, I wouldn't say it, it's, it's like, you almost have to have like an, yeah, that, that's a good way to view it. I would say have a bit more abstract thought because while, while per region, um, deities have, I guess you could say more power based on faith and location. Right. They're not really limited to that region. Right. Yeah. But they but like, um, uh, I, I don't know. Like there's, there's symbolisms that, that yeah. sort of represent the, yeah. the deity that's, that's has majority control over a particular area or has blessed this area. So, you know, because it fell in this place, this deity probably was the one that triggered it. So then now I have another question for you, Ethan. Because okay. now that you're on that train of thought, what deity would have that much dominion over the entire continent? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to relook at the lore document. Um, Just for thought. Just it's interesting. I want to know what triggered it, though. Was it was it me saving Adam from the log, or That's was it question. was it? I think it might have been our entrance into Oakmore too, because Valora's Harvest is kind of that place where, like, I'm I'm very curious to hear like your together. thoughts and opinions. On that, actually, yeah, I figured we'll it confirm was confirm or deny, but I'll definitely listen. Yeah, yeah, no, like I figured it was like us stepping into Oakmore. That's what my thought was because I didn't think Adam and Aaron to be part of our group necessarily um, as an adventuring party. Um. Mm. Radiance thinks it's just a blessing from Cadmir, because he's. Mm. But, for the most part, but yeah. Oh, and I'm probably gonna have you, um, your character, like read the letter that I'm gonna write to my dad at one point, because I feel like of the people to get an opinion from, it's either gonna be you or Picaro, and we don't know if he's gonna be alive. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm flattered. So, um, yeah, no, I was right, like, maybe I'll have to make another handout. 
Cause, cause that, cause that letter that I wrote, I was like that it explains Pretty a lot good. of my thought of how he views things. Cause like he views it as very unfair as well. Um, and he's going to try to convince his dad that, um, this is meant to be, uh, and see if he's going to ever be allowed to come back home and not be disowned. Interesting. Yeah. His disownment that. is basically based on that. If that letter succeeds, I think so. Well, I'm we'll also see. surprised no one's inquired yet on whether like you're a noble or like what your official status is. Cause um, yeah, no one asked that. Knows you're young. Yeah. Even though you initially lied about being 18, you are 15 years old, yeah. which is insane to be out here doing any of this. Like it is insane to think about. Yeah, and, no. and no, nobody like it really inquired except for for Griff, which I thought no, was only only Griff uh, questioned immediately, um, and then yeah, and then be and I think because that day he was questioned so fucking much about it, that's why he lied immediately when asked about it again because he was like, I don't want to deal with this in every fucking town I go to, but yeah, he right. definitely looks young though. In that first session, whenever you were asked, you, and and you told everybody you were fifteen, and you but you or you told everybody you were eighteen, but you were like, it's it's pretty clear that I'm kind of lying. I was like, okay, touchy subject for the player, probably. So, and we don't have a rapport yet. So, like, I'm not gonna prod on something yet. But after seeing that whole mouthwash situation hopefully i can gain a little bit of respect with my excellent archery skills and then <laughs> and then i'll ask you about it and be like look i'm i'm with you type thing that's my yeah. whole goal also it's complete completely irrelevant to the conversation we're having right now have you figured out the secret to tib's name yet so no, I don't. I'm fucking stupid, bro. You're not. You're not stupid. You're not stupid. Uh, wait, so, yeah, I just remember. I just realized it now. Did you? Really? No way. Say timber. It. Huh? Is it because like timber? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so, you know what? I thought I just had a big brain moment, and I was like, no wait answer. a minute. He has a thing no where it's like against loggers. Tibar timber. You no. know. That's close. You're 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 on the right track. It is a play on words. The so my full my full character's name is Tib R, right? D do you know who my character is based on? No. Loosely. Okay. Not at all. I don't watch or read media. Okay. I uh, what's rock. what's it called? Heroes of the Universe? Oh, you're yeah, um you're talking about uh with the skull and Cragdor and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Thundercats, um no, it's He-Man. It's He-Man. It's He-Man. What's, what's the something? Uh, Masters of the Universe. Yeah, there's a there's a villain in Masters of the Universe, and his name is Tibar. Um, oh, okay. I would have never gotten that. No, but that that's not that's not the that's not the search up search up oh, He-Man Tibar. No, no, because it'll come out. It'll he'll he'll fucking see it. No, don't. Oh, okay, man. I won't. I won't. Hold Do on. I also, have to know, like, no. about he? Okay, I don't. So I am just dumb. So this isn't like a. Yeah, but I think about it. Even about... I never got it without learning, like, finding that reference, though. Right, and that's like the cool like, thing. Like him not knowing that character existed, I feel like you could throw him a lifeline. Hold on. I'll I'll send you. I'll post a picture of him in the in the chat. <laughs> okay. 
I still probably won't get this, but oh, you'll see it. I can, I can dream. Yeah, Captain Tibar. That's his name. Copy image. Here we go. I'm gonna put him in. Uh, I'll just put it in general. All right. Oh my god. <laughs> now. Yeah. Does that give you? That's a pretty good hint. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to. Well, on it, I, I really want to. I really want to just give it. I'm to gonna you. like. I'm gonna like go to sleep, and I'm just gonna be staring at this right before I fall asleep. Uh, it's, it's not like. It's I mean, been it plaguing is, me for months. Ethan. I, I feel bad. Like it's to the point now where I kind of feel bad about it, but it's pretty funny. Because whenever I say it, you're going to be like, that's fucking lame. <laughs> Did Veronica get it? I don't if know. if she got it, then I... Not then to my knowledge. Okay, good. Okay. As I long as it's both of us, you know. It hits. It's, it feels less bad. Yeah, nobody's asked me about it either, really. Lucas figured it out last session, um, which was pretty funny. Because I, I thought I had told him already, but he... Uh, <laughs> Like now that Thomas knows, is it? It's pretty obvious, right? Like, yeah, I think yeah, everybody's no, thinking too hard. Out, I was kicking myself in the ass. I was like, "What a what what a fucking what a way to do it!" <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, to to the audience, all you need is the audio, and you can figure out what what's so funny about uh, my character's name. Uh, and you can also look up Captain Tibar from the Grayskull Wiki and and see him and. Gray skull. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's yeah. great. Master's Universe is great. They're making wow. a new movie, by the way. Oh, wait, for real? Okay. Mm-hmm. Live action. Wow. Th- that has such potential to be a big hit or flop, and I hope it's a hit. That's most well. live action movies, you know. <sighs> Unfortunately. So fuck, there's uh there's another topic I was gonna get to, and now I'm trying to I don't I don't remember what it was. It fucking deviated. We were talking um, about the heavenly flare and, and deities. <laughs> it was it was like before that, like I put a pin on it and then like the pin drifted away. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm excited. I'm happy you guys are having fun. I will say too, uh, just kind of quickly circling back to new players, and then I'll try and share an experience from my first time with D and D. Is I still cannot fathom how quickly Lucas is caught on. It's a little oh, yeah. uncanny. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, like you, you two are already insane. But like, I, I don't know. Lu- I always thought Lucas was a cool character. Um, but Lord knows I was not having uh, getting mechanics quicker, quickly. But it's not. Even, it's not even that, right? Like, his understanding is already really good. It's the fact that his turns took very little time. Arguably, yeah. the time of a veteran player because. He said he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah I was totally uh, overstimulated." And I was like, <laughs> yeah. "You what? But <laughs> you were what now? Okay, yeah, yeah, right, sure." Um, and he he was just quick and he was just decisive. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe you and Lucas are just more decisive than most people I know, or something. I don't, I don't fucking know. But I mean, I think it's a mix. If he's most more decisive, rogues also have a very clear what you should do like a you should hit you should use cunning action it does have like steps versus like clerics and things like that sorcerers it's like what the fuck are you gonna do and it's like anything um it it does help but he definitely did and like role play wise too right 
like, like he did do good and like that that backstory too it, it is wild how much um backstory and stuff is coming out super soon and super quick um and i'm yeah, super so, excited to learn more about there are certain things i think i can definitely wait on and in some backstory elements that i think can drag out for a little bit longer or, or take some time but i also try to include an element sooner rather than later to show that your backstories matter yeah. And that your choices matter and what you told me matters. And if it clicks that, oh shit, all of these minute details that I didn't really think mattered in my backstory that do matter now, maybe I should think about my future actions just a little bit more carefully or, you know, pay a little bit more attention to detail because maybe Thomas's wording isn't all seamless and <laughs> it can be relevant. So. Yeah. I mean, with backstory documents, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, like, and all all of your backstories were were good, and I love Ethan how you kept yours. It was short, concise. Um, it was too like honed in enough to where I still had a lot to work with. It was open, so you know things could be manipulated or you know improved as went along. Very I like good. yours too. It's very well thought out, and it's very like cause and effect, which I love in a backstory. Yeah, I, I I like that. Um, that there's you you have to i think of it as like a totem right like you have to have something that is a very defining thing for your character so for for tib i i kind of revealed whenever we were fighting griff that i yeah. do not fucking like magic at all um I, I use it when it's necessary but i don't use it to harm people and you know it, i've i've sort of hinted at it because it was a very vague reference to my backstory um but that it's a very cause and effect thing. It will affect my decisions, right? Like it completely changes how I will build this hunter because, or this gloom stalker eventually the, because I can't, I I've got to figure out a way that I can use magic in an acceptable way for my character that doesn't feel dirty, right? Like it doesn't <laughs> feel like I'm not playing true to the ethics that this character holds. And gloom stalker is an interesting pick because it allows me extra damage as an archer, but it's just... I, it, it's so interesting you yeah. say that. Because, so, one of my favorite philosophies when building, like, a monster hunter or a certain race associated with monster hunters guild, especially for, for damp mirrors, because it's, like, literally part of their personality traits, is I can become just as monstrous as the monsters I hunt, or I need to become as monstrous as the monsters I hunt in order to do what's necessary. And yeah. so I think, yeah. but you know, I'm not saying like fully adopt the mentality, but I'm, there's something there. I think that you can definitely draw from uh, it's, and it's just, it, it's interesting coincidence that you also happen to be joining the monster hunters guild with that mentality about magic and everything else. Yeah, so no, definitely good. I think you like looked at your character backstory and I think you built it in the way of like a world builder mentality because the way you thought about your backstory and how things cause and effect and things like that it's very much similar to like a dm's process of how or at least my process how i build towns and cities and how i build npcs and backstories and arcs like that because all of my ideas honestly they all stem from usually one thing and it's like what would people do if given constraints so like thinking about like, oh yeah, this group of people would do this because of this is kind of, I see that's how you built your character. And I think it makes a really natural feeling mm. character, which I really applause you for, to be honest. 
Thank you. I'm so grateful for all these compliments. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very, very grateful. It's, uh, and it goes without saying that you guys are both just incredible. I absolutely love playing with y'all. It's, it's such a pleasure. I, I, I can't say I'm grateful enough and I'm, I seriously count down the days every day until our, our sessions. Oh, absolutely. So. Me too. Same. Yeah. And I would love to honestly have you as a player. I really do. And I, I, um, part of me is like, man, should I just make a six seat? And you know, I'm like, man, I'm wow. thinking so hard, but, um, cause I think you just have a lot to bring, um, to the table. And I think there's just some perspective that you just have, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, no. Thanks. You can make me, you make me cry. <laughs> I feel so, I feel so acknowledged. I would be honored to play in your campaign, but you know, please don't, don't stretch yourself thin for that. Uh, you know, the thought <laughs> of it is incredible. Thomas will yell at me for it because <laughs> he yells at me. I for it every time. cannot do tell him, tell him how many players you've had. I so, physically cannot mentally cannot fathom. I would, I, I would break. I wouldn't be able to DM. I, I really so, wouldn't. So my whole thing with Dungeons and Dragons is that I love playing games with my friends and I love my friends and I have many friends um, and whether or not they won't, they have played before. It doesn't matter. I will make them into D and D players. Um, my last campaign had eight players. Did it though? Jesus. Or did it have ten? No, it had eight and you. Which is nine. But like you weren't there ever. So you don't I, count. I, well, I was there on and off because you, you were there on to, and off. And sometimes I was a guest you were, appearance is what you were my monster sometimes. You never rolled an initiative with six other people next to you. You've never done that. That's true. That's true. So and I will say fairly. I play with eight players, but I regularly play with six. It just so happened to be that the one time you played that monster, everyone was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be there to kick Thomas's ass. They made sure Famous. that they were going to be there to kick your ass. Um, well, he kept talking. Like, okay, so the backstory behind that was that Thomas was like, Lynn, I made this really cool artificer build. I have a 24 AC. I, I could totally wreck to their ass. And I said, no, I believe in my players because my players think about some like crazy ass shit and they will 100% beat you at the level they're at if you made like a level 12 character. And um, because they were only a what, like, six. It was only like six. And I was like, yeah, no, I 100% believe in my players. To be, to be fair, that. I think I still would have kicked at least one more person's ass if you didn't. Yeah, if I didn't. In the, in the didn't. few instances that you do. And let Amber come back when she was dead. Because she was dead. And you know it. You know she was dead. There was another person that was now, also on this also, door. You also did not have to coup de gras her right in the first round, though. Of course I didn't. But guess what? Yeah. If they're going to keep playing at a higher level, guess what, motherfucker? They're intelligent monsters. They're going to finish your ass off. Also, if you're a cleric, I don't want you getting back up. Enough. I want to kill your party. Fair enough, part of the reason she did die when she did was because of one of my rules, which is a homebrew rule that works with my monsters. And, and you're the DM, and that is your rule that you implemented oh, yeah. that they agreed to. Ethan, you want to hear a fun old school uh, vestigial rule that I've kept for a very long time, which i now finally gotten rid of. Um, yeah, could I told you what the actual ruling was? <laughs> yeah, well... I, it, t it takes a while. You just accept things sometimes. Coup de mm -hmm. rules in my campaign have always been um, 
if you take any damage after you're down, you're dead. That's it's not. It doesn't dangerous. count as two death saves. You're just straight up dead. Um, cause that I don't even know why that was a rule. That was just a rule I grew up with. As I mean, that makes sense that though. It makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah, I can see the logic behind a rule like that. It definitely would make me more cautious if a monster was hitting hard. Like oh, if I yeah. if I saw somebody get hit with a twenty or some shit, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yep. Well, yeah. that's what I want to do. I want to like. A fire under my player's ass because honestly to me if you are a player and you're in a group if your friend goes down you, the first thought should be i want to get that person back up not yeah. hmm, how many death saves do you have left because that's a metagaming concept to me so i think that one of the best ways to do that is just to say um you're gonna die yeah lian was uh, god i am that's another reason i'm happy to be like heading into this this campaign because you've, you've returned. Leon was fucking ruthless oh, when yeah. I had Leon as a DM. And I, I mean, like, you're going to sit the fuck down, you're going to play, and if you make a stupid-ass decision, you are going to fucking deal with it. I'm pretty oh, sure I had, yeah. like, what, two characters, three characters in your campaign? Because I two, was gun-ho, fancy, making oh. some dumbass choices. Yeah. But Leon has... <laughs> mellowed out and become so much more lenient and I honestly i wish you weren't yeah yeah so like if you want to hear the stories of thomas's uh, uh well okay hold up we don't we don't have to hash that um, out let's just talk I would, about the I bad would experience the, i had i would okay, love to and then tell just you gloss about, over that because um, <laughs> like like i said me and thomas have had yeah we're airing out some dirty laundry now thomas yeah no because as a beginner player, and like this is probably because I didn't teach him very well, and that, and he was really into Skyrim. Um, it's he thought that his best course of action, talking about roleplay heavy campaigns nowadays. Um, what am I gonna do as a new character introduced to an existing party? That's I'm right, or I'm gonna stalk them. I don't trust these people. I'm gonna stalk them. So he was like, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm going to be on the tavern roof and I'm going to like, I'm going to watch them. And I'm like, it's like high noon, Thomas, your shadow. Woo. He got guiding bolted off the top of the roof that brought down some HP. Then he continued to follow them throughout the dungeon, which my, the person who taught me D and D we're not going to talk about him too much, but um, he said, you know what? Yeah. So I see that there's like poison spike traps uh, I'm going to put a wood plank over them, walk over the plank, then I'm going to pick the plank back up. So when Stalker Boy over here was following them into the dungeon, no lights at all. He fell into the traps, took more poison damage. Um, and then to introduce another character towards the end, after he's almost done stalking everyone, he pokes a sleeping person in heavily armored, uh, I think she was in plate mail or half plate or something, with a giant battle axe next to her. He shakes her awake, immediately crits. Which... And she died. Which, fair is, enough. But that was also Morgan playing, and she was that a player, was, which was a little different. It was, it was such a better, bad decision I, on my part as well. I should have said nope to both yeah. of you. <laughs> but Better option is when I was trapped in a room alone because I decided to split from the party and continue the dungeon by myself. Got trapped <laughs> in a room 
with no light and spiders coming out of holes in the wall. Oh, wait, did you die three times? I thought you only died twice. I may not remember exactly what actions it took, but I remember oh, how many characters I went through. Times. I can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. so um, the whole don't split the party thing, I taught Thomas to not do that. And that's you why taught me in a, in a rough but oh, effective I, yeah, way. No, I taught him in a very effective way. Uh, and then there was the whole, yeah, I'm going to jump down the hole. I okay. Look, to be fair, that, that well, that was that was dumb. That was dumb. And I <laughs> full disclosure. But the monk had an ability that I didn't fully understand when it came to the difference between the spell slow hey, fall. Hey, Ethan, I have a question. As a person, a human person, even if you had the ability to see dark in the dark, and you couldn't see the bottom of a hole, like you couldn't see the floor, um, and you knew that dark vision ranged like what 120 feet, would you <laughs> jump bitch. down the hole? Uh, I'd probably kick something down there and listen, but like, <laughs> uh, if I didn't hear it or it was like fucking lo longer than two seconds, then no, I would not jump down there. Yeah, so Thomas jumped down the hole. The funniest part about that was there was a ladder that he didn't see. Oh my, Thomas. That's very Thomas of him. Yeah. I warrant fuck you. I that's the most Thomas shit I've ever fucking heard in my life. Absolutely. Yeah, no. So, like, when you... Yeah, I mean, I was a tough DM. <laughs> Granted, I made some decisions that I would not make nowadays because I am a, oh, God. Um, a nice person, I guess. Um, but absolutely, in a heartbeat, I would do that to Thomas again. Yeah. I don't think you would do it, though. I think you learned, though. Because well, after no, that, because you never died. You've Which never is died true. Again. That is true. But also, I, I probably would do it again to the degree that they reworked Monk's ability, where it's literally like a Jedi jump or Jedi fall. And I, I could not take fall damage. I think I can activate it at any point in time that I want. So, because at the time, I thought it was like free, no fall damage. And then it was like, oh, you take oh, yeah. fall damage. But now I'm pretty sure they reworked it to where, like, if you can see, um, if you can see like the ground or whatever, you like at a certain point, it, it is it's essentially a free soul, soul fall like once per day or something like that. That's so. also why read your shit, read your yeah. features, and understand yeah. before you start playing. Because well, that also taught me that. Not my fault, that was yours. So, yeah, it was. Yeah. So, and it's like, oh, I know we're like 30 minutes into the session, but actually, my ability says this and I wouldn't have died. No, your character's dead. You should have known your ability. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that's what I was taught. I was taught, because um, uh, I used to say, I was like, man, I didn't know I could do that. And someone was like, well, you gotta know your shit. And I was like, well, fair, I guess. Uh, oh, actually, I last turn, I wouldn't have, can I have used my reaction to Hellish Rebuke? We're already in the new round. Know your shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's like, uh, what is it? You take your hand off a chess piece or what? You can't move it anymore? Like, yeah. mm -hmm. that's fair. Yeah. Which, ironically, I will say, whenever I'm playing chess, I have, like, a weird thing where, like, I have to have my hand off. So I will say, I'm going to take my hand off the board, but when I say I'm done, I'm done. Because I yeah. just need to see the entire board. He's a very physical thinker. It's really fun to play chess. Then why him. don't you take the piece off the board and look? Because he won't remember where because... to put it back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you think he'd cheat? <laughs> yeah, I think he I would, would not, actually. I would not cheat. Actually, it's funny on you say purpose. that, because... Um, on purpose. Um, I, what I do now though is like, so, cause there used to be a game, I can't remember what it was called, but it was Lego based and you could see like their hands like flitting as they like built the structure and like would turn it and stuff. 
So now whenever I play chess before I move my piece, I'll actually do that now as I'm visualizing the board in a 3D space and trying to think five moves ahead before I move my piece. So if I look like I'm uh, I have fucking Parkinson's or something, that's what I'm doing. Queen's Gambit, you know. I love that show. But yeah. Yeah, for, first experience playing D&D, uh, we had a DM, not a very good DM. I think it was like Reed or something. Ricky was with me. Um, I wasn't that edgy. I mean, I still had an edgy character, but it was definitely targeted. I was trying to, I was like with the group and everything happened. And so in my mind, I was like, I know we shouldn't split the party, but we're in town. I just have to buy something. I don't want to hold you guys up or make you waste time since you guys are on time crunch. We'll meet up. We'll meet at the tavern. You guys go that way. I'll go here. I'll just meet up with you. And then we can just RP separately. It's, it's quicker. We're done. Like, I don't, I really don't want to hold you guys up because my shop is just on the other side of town. So we do that. Uh, nightfall comes. We make pretty good time. I realize we never specified what tavern to meet up at because that's what the DM ruled. So I was like, okay, not fair, little whatever, but that's fair. So then I have to spend time out on the street looking for the tavern, trying to find the group, really trying to get creative with ways that I could think of, like to find them or describe them or whatever. If I can had a map and I like used like a check to see if I could triangulate like where they were near and what they would probably go to, ended up finding them. So I was like, okay, thank God. I go up to the lady. I'm like, hey, uh, there's a party that should have walked in here. You know, they're expecting me. Um, I don't know if they got a room for me. She was like, oh, yeah, they're here. They didn't get a room for it. I was like, cool. Can I pay you in room with them? She's like, no, against policy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> me kind of being more tame, I'm like, all right, well, how about this? I'll pay you an extra gold. Can you just go up there, let them know that I'm here, and ask if I can room with them? She's like, no, can't do that. I'm like, okay. Yeah, he just, just making your life miserable. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, do you have any more spare rooms at this hour? No. So I'm like, okay, because yeah. you already know how I am. It, it takes a lot for me to like not start getting like gremlin-y. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like, really like, I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll go to a different tavern, go out, scale the building with some pretty good rules, might I add. And I'm like, okay, windows there, lock pick with these, boom. Then they do a ruling where even though I did really well with stealth check, you should be doing passives, but also granted, like we're all new to D&D, so we don't really know how things work. Um, one of them's like, okay, uh, you hear the window open, even though you're asleep and you got like uh, 19 on stealth. Uh, so then they look at me before I have a chance to speak or do anything because I was going to like carefully get in, close the door and then like wake one of them up to like let them know. Uh, they're like, all right, I see this. I yield the party. I cast Firebolt. Uh, somebody then says, okay, as soon as he yells, I also want to cast like, I forget what he cast, but he essentially flashbangs me. So if somebody casts like fireball to fireball, I get flashbanged. I go through the roof. Almost, I would have died if I took the fall damage. Uh, did a crit skill check, which at the time didn't know they were a thing or couldn't be a thing. And I'm hanging on by like a hand and I'm like, like yelling to them like, hey, look, it's me. Like I just there was a lot of trouble downstairs. I couldn't get in. They don't have it. They come out. They're like about to kill me. And I'm like, all right, what? What the fuck ever? Like I'm already checked out. They, they don't, but it was still miserable. Flash forward to like another session where trying to go across the sea and they're like, these people are telling me like, yeah, there has to be like a sacrifice to appease the sea monster to cross. These people are made to be batshit crazy. I'm like, okay, haha, guys. Everybody else in that party is like, all right, cool. Uh, we're going to sacrifice Thomas's character. Yeah. 
thought you were getting voted off the island. Yo, what? This is like, that's terrible. That's called. It was terrible. And Ricky was also part of that. And even he admits that it was pretty bad. And so after that, like, I did not want to fucking touch D&D again. Like, it was just a miserable, like, the process of creation, everything was really cool. Like, the concept was cool, but I just had a fucking miserable time. Wild Um, that you said yes and then continued to play with me, by the way. Well, because it was you. And which interesting fact, too, I don't know. I don't I don't think Ethan knows this. Me and Leon hated each other when we first met. We oh, absolutely. We actually. hated each other so much because he is everything that I hate in a way at the time, especially now it's I've mellowed out. He's mellowed out. But at the time it was because like I personally, oh, I hate being touched by random people that I don't like. I also, and Thomas, yeah. so you we both already... have um, the opposite, like, sensory needs, I would call it, uh, because I don't like being touched. I don't like being walked up behind. I don't like my hood being pulled over my head. And Thomas liked doing everything that I hated. And he didn't like hearing no, I guess. Which I guess... I was, I was yeah. being a shitty person. I um, totally and that, that pissed me off so much. Yeah, yeah. I threw a chair at him. So, and then and we became the friends. Time, yeah, no, thankfully. Yeah. He also thankfully. didn't like me because his girlfriend well, told me I pushed her into a painting, which granted, I did do that. But she pushed me back. One of my few moments of gullibility, and she lied. And she so, lied. And she lied. Because when we actually had that conversation, my eyes were open because I was like, oh, that's how it really played out. Interesting. We found this out like seven years later. It was- so there was that aspect that I already had some you know, animosity towards you. But, and I think Ethan already fully well knows too, like, I finally have a uh, amateur understanding of, of personal boundaries. And back then, personal sick. space and boundaries were not a concept to me in the sense that I just really didn't understand the concept of personal space. I am just, my love language was touch, and I just, everybody that I was normally with didn't have those issues. Yeah. So My love language was no. It's, yeah, I'm a words of affirmation kind of guy, and Thomas is very much, uh, I'm going to touch you any chance I get kind of guy, and like, yeah. Well, I can respect that, and I know that, like, now, like, having grown, like, I understand that that's how he shows affection, and I'm flattered that he wants to show me affection in that way, so I will allow it. But it's still... A great example is this Christmas... Was it Thanksgiving party or some Friendsgiving we went to or some shit? Yeah. Like, at Cats, and... And we're all saying goodbye, and Thomas... Is like, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna let this slide. I'm gonna get my hug in. He says and <gasps> hugs me, and then everybody else fucking lines up to give me a hug, and I fucking cannot stand <laughs> touching people. I felt so horrible because I, I really did not even the thought of that chain reaction did not cross my mind. And literally, as soon as I saw that happening, I'm almost certain I looked at you, and you can yeah. see me mouthing the words, "I'm so fucking sorry." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, that is so funny. Right. And like, I, I can laugh at it. And it's like, it really doesn't do damage. Right. It's just, it, it just makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. I mean, I wasn't touched as a child a lot. Like, I wasn't like nurtured. My parents that way. Would say it's because I was in an orphanage. <laughs> but yeah. You, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I was for the first 18 months of my life. I didn't hug my mom until I was, like, five. I also realized, learned that, like, last year, too. My mom never told me. But, yeah, it, 
Oh yeah, if Thomas ever tries to gaslight you into thinking that he has a rougher start, <laughs> do not let him. He full out convinced Ricky he was bouncing from okay, foster home to foster home. I thought he knew. I thought he, he knew. Straight I, I up, you gaslit Ricky into that. Dude, when I tell you we were okay, okay. So, so some background context, right? First of all, Leanne is adopted from uh, Asia. If A I'm third not third world country, too. yes. Which is why I normally make so many adoption jokes with you, and it's you know, haha, funny, goofy laugh about it. Um, so I, I like to, to fuck around with people, especially in high school. And I still do it now. It was like really bad in high school. I'd fuck around like, oh, that's what my mom said. Or, oh, remind me of my, my mom. Or, oh, I get it. You don't want me. Like, whatever, whatever fucking. Whatever to guilt trip somebody. Yeah. yeah to make somebody feel bad. Yeah, yeah. I was a victim for that. I into class to talk to Mr. Linsky for something. And, um, I was like super excited. She's like, get out. I'm about to start class. I was like, fine. Cast me out like my mother did at birth. Like, God dang. <laughs> Yeah, no, ah, you yeah. will literally the say the most so out of silent, And Mr. Linsky was in such an awkward position. I was like, okay, maybe I went a little too She's like, am I going to get fired now? I'm a mandated reporter. And like, <laughs> and we're over here like Thomas. And the thing is, is that I have never once brought up my adoption like that until I met him. And then I was like, all right. Do you well, want to play this game, Thomas? Because I'll win. We'll play it. There, there was one time at lunch we just went back and forth for thirty minutes. Morgan was so uncomfortable. It was oh, hilarious. she was so upset because you were like, "Yeah, I've been bounced around," and I was like, three days, <laughs> three days." You were in the NICU. Gosh, I didn't have a NICU. It was great. And so, yeah. um, with with <laughs> that, I, you know, I just assumed like. Really, because I'm an open book. If if you don't know something, it's just like either the situation has popped up or you didn't ask. But I I just assumed Ricky knew. Like I really thought he knew. I was like joking around. And so we're going to tour NC State because tour we got like in high school just wasn't good, and we really wanted to go there. Fucking love Ricky. He's one of my best friends. I love this man. And we're getting there. I don't even think it's on the way back. We're getting there, and I my dad's talking to me. And I, I make a joke, and Ricky's back there like horror stricken and like i'm just like you good and my dad's like yeah like what you okay and ricky's just like well i uh, he was, i've never seen ricky that awkward and so my dad's like you do know that he was only like in the hospital for three days right and ricky like the look of just betrayal pure <laughs> betrayal that came across his face and i'm just there like I mean, you should like I don't like I'm genuinely confused and he he just pops off like are you fucking kidding me like this entire time I've been feeling sorry for you da, 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 da. I'm like I really thought I told <laughs> I've only seen Ricky I felt in two so bad. Thomas, and that is like betrayed or like telling you you're dumb and I have not seen him in any other capacity beyond that because it's either Thomas, how can you not see this? Or oh, oh my man. god, Thomas. Yeah. So that that's some some background content. Yeah, no. High school us was a trip that I will yeah. never go on again, you know? And so, so I- but but getting back to that, right? <laughs> or Leon Leon invites me to to come play. I think it was like with you, Joseph, Jason, uh Shay. No, and I was like, Shay. not Shay. Okay, so who, fuck, who was it? Jay, Jay it didn't was, join until later until he joined, Jason, right? Sure. It was Jason, Harley, Morgan, Veranda. Fuck Harley, definitely Veranda. Oh my fuck god. <laughs> well, that's a whole. Thou that shall not be named. 
Um, also, the so, way that Thomas just name drops everyone is so funny. Um, yeah, yeah in, no. in his podcast. Yeah, in his podcast. So yeah, yeah, this motherfucker. I fucking hate him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, okay. Now, I will say, Harley was the one who taught me D&D. And he took the initiative to learn everything before D&D got really big. Before there were anything like YouTube videos, Critical Role, things to watch. He learned from forums, like straight up forums, and the books. And that's it. No other person to teach him. Not Nothing. And he made mistakes that I... Reprehensible. But like at the mm -hmm. same time... I will say, for someone who's learning by themselves to teach their friends, no experience. He had guts that I would never, I would have given up. And That's like, good. and honestly, and as a player learning it, I was like, man, I don't want to play this game. Like when I first started playing D&D, &D, I hated it. It was my least favorite thing to do. Um, and then I just... I just kept tripping into it, I guess, and now it's my favorite thing. So, but yeah, no, it it was a rough start, but at the same time, for someone who's like learning only by reading, that's a feat. And no, that is that is definitely fair. Um, so. but yeah, Harley is just he his DMing style. All that aside, again, like you said, Leon, but it was just stylistically, it was old school. As heard the war like stories. Like his style was a lot close. It was very close to how mine was as well, except mine was a little more. It had a little more like push pull. Um, but yeah. So I, I'm so surprised that you maintain you stayed my player because honestly, I would. Because well, you were a good DM player. though, right? Like every well, consequence that was had, every repercussion or story development like it was you made it fun i got to ride the back of a chimera by the way or a manticore which oh, is fucking yeah, awesome that, that that's like fun. everybody's dream is to ride the back of like a flying beast in D D. like has to happen at least once oh man was that the same monster that i killed pepper with yes and it was oh man that fucking cool like holy shit but reasonable right because of the way their character was ask asking and then it was like a light bulb i was like I used to act that way. I still kind of do, but I learned. Yeah, yeah, you difference. were like, I can't believe you. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> my other former player, um, I had a Chimera part dragon. Um, she shot it in the butt with a bow while the rest of the party was making like a diplomatic deal. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ruin this for the party. So I was like, all right. So the Chimera feels the arrow, turns around, <sighs> fire. And then she got caught on fire. The fire was still on her for a while. I, I would have let her live if she stopped, dropped, and rolled, but she forgot well, that. Not even that, though, her. right? Like, while everyone else was debating, I straight up said, I was like, my character, and even me as a player, I refuse to help them. I, I refuse. But, um, but yeah, so there was that campaign. There were those players. Later on, some one way or another, uh, Josh got wind of it and joined which was one of the best experiences i've ever had also did not know jay used to be in theater uh, it was the first experience where he he did a voice um his character really interacted with mine which was really cool he was jay's just on a different level than pretty much anybody i've ever met when it comes to rp and character creation and so forth it, it, it's really cool but getting to have that experience Having a campaign conclude, actually making relations, having friends, laughing, 
And again, having Jay come in and inspiring me to want to do a voice and seeing how it impacts and getting better with descriptions and not just I roll, I hit, what's next? That changed everything for me. And if it wasn't for Leon, I probably wouldn't be doing half of what I'm doing with D&D today. So. And it was a close call, too. I almost said no to inviting Jay, too, because I was like, I don't know this person. And again, I'm really glad you did because you were like, now, oh, this person. And I was like, yeah. I don't like other people. And it's crazy though, right? Because of, of, and this is also why I try to give experiences to new players, Ethan, is with Leon, everybody that I met mostly now was either part of my group or I am in a campaign with in some way, shape, or form. Because through Layla, I met Jay. Or through Leon, I met Jay. I met Layla. Um, through Layla, I met her meet sister. Jay for me, though. Well, you I invited him to my campaign. No, no, that, that's true. But I'm saying the the fact that you let him play in the campaign allowed me to oh, have guess, that experience yeah, that's with fair. him. That's fair. So, and then even after Curse of Strahd, which was a trip and a half. Curse um, of Strahd is always a trip and a half. That's the only way I can describe it. But even then, like I met Echo, Layla's sister, and then they all got brought on board and I'm doing my own thing now and it's branched out even further. So, and... Ethan, I hope, will, you know, DM at one point in time and, you know, it'll hopefully even blossom from there. Or, you know, at one point I'll get to be a player with Ethan and, and that'll be what I'm hoping will be a very, very good experience. So, yeah, I'm excited to see you DM one day, man. Always I, I don't want to say never. Right. Like, yeah. I, I think that there's potential there for me to have some fun as a DM. I think I have some really cool ideas. I think putting them down on paper and really committing and and gathering people that are there's a lot of faith that people have to put into the dm i think and it's a lot of responsibility and it, it takes a lot of courage to to play that role and i feel like that goes without you know mention a lot of times a lot of times people are like oh dming is like just dming right oh, yeah. but if you if you break it down and you really think about it even as a new player i can clearly see how much work it is and that's intimidating and thomas has brought up to me maybe co-dming like a one shot yeah. with him which is exciting that's an exciting idea i would love to do something like that but right now, if I was to build a campaign as in-depth and methodically planned out as Thomas's fucking 80-page <laughs> oh, war document, okay. his we like fucking white papers, dude, like it's like it's crazy. So Yeah. I'll say don't let that discourage you though, because I'm okay, so DMing and playing D D, DMing in itself is almost like its own hobby in a way because to be a dm you don't have to do nearly as much as what we do we do it um because it's what we want to do for the most part but you can very very well get going get a really great solid campaign off of like yeah you have to be dedicated to prep a fair amount but honestly if you don't want to get into like a super detailed world lore and everything there's always source books previous settings um and there's nothing uh, yeah modules there's also nothing wrong with being like yeah you're in a town and i have a little bit planned um for this town but you don't have to know every single intricate history of it 
Um, and like, as long as you have like, yeah, I know the shop names. I know these NPCs, like maybe three to five solid NPCs. And you know, the encounters around, if you have players that are kind of willing to work with you, um, mm. you can very well easily get through without the like 30 page lore document Thomas has, or the like 18 editioned maps I have for my world. It's like, it's not necessary to break into it. As you get like used to it, it feels like it's necessary sometimes because it's like, oh, I have to do this, you know? Like I, I have to get this part fleshed out. But to just start, honestly, the best thing to do is just start with a really good solid set of experienced players because teaching while DMing is incredibly difficult. I. Honestly, I don't recommend it at all. I taught everyone I as a DM when I was still new. That was rough. Because <laughs> um, your players learn really fast from an experienced DM, and you learn really fast with experienced players. It's just mm. easier. But don't Honestly, let... Honestly, if Ethan was a DM, I'd all. say me, you, and Veranda would be the best bet for, for mm. our first group. We're also um, hilarious, by the way. Yeah, y'all are an absolute <laughs> fucking dude to play with. Just like, it's great. You look at to see me and Lee and fucking. Oh <laughs> god! Okay, so if you ever DM, I'm make Thomas play a character that is easy to deal with. Okay, like just make it a thing. Like be like Thomas. Can you not be conflict as a your personality trait? I feel like I Thomas wasn't would... in conflict with anybody else except for you until you know we started questioning people. I, I feel like Thomas would cut me some slack. I don't think he would completely steam because he wants me to enjoy it, right? He, he doesn't want to drive it. me. I think he does. I think he knows better and oh. knows not to like steer me away I from DMing. Your faith. I really do. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, so that I, just means this is all a conscious choice, then, Thomas. Yeah, it is a conscious choice. Thomas is what? not dumb. <laughs> Thomas does that shit on purpose. Asshole. Yeah, no, he had, <laughs> like, literally, I feel like he's had every single character I've ever played with. Conflict. Vermilion, conflict with Renzo. Okay, to, to be fair, this new character, yes, intentional. Vermilion was not intentional, and it, it was the first time that I was playing something very different from D&D. You brought up my dead sister. Well, yes, but when argument. I made the character, when I made the character, right, like, he was meant to be... A little bit of an asshole, but a paranoid control freak. You just happen to make a character that really had to be like controlled. the opposing spectrum of personality to Vermillion. Yeah, I think me and Thomas are just fundamentally different people, and it's just a hoot and a holler, you know. So, but like I said, I think I think Calder and and your character will become friends. I'm I'm looking forward to his character development after. But anyway, I don't want to get off topic. I would like Ethan to continue yeah, his... Yeah, continue, please. Oh, I, I just... um, If if I was to DM, I feel like the rabbit hole would get so deep so fast. Because oh, I'm, absolutely. This is this has sort of allowed me to express a creative side of myself that I haven't really been able to do since high school. A lot of stuff that I've done up until now, post-grad, has been very business logical analytical oriented and it definitely scratches a part of my brain but creative stuff is something that i have like genuine enjoyment in and i've gotten 
involved in more creative stuff. Like I draw a lot now. I've dabbled in some 3D modeling for stuff, mm -hmm. like using Blender and everything. So if I was to go into DM mode, I feel like I would want to create the coolest fucking campaign ever oh, by yeah. creating all of these original assets and like really just like homebrewing everything. Not the rules, but like this entire like universe. Because once I go, I can't stop. I mean, Thomas and I will have these little chats about like, I'll throw, I probably like once a week, once or twice a month, you know, I'll be like, Hey, this is my game idea. Like if I could build this game right now, this is what it would be about. And I'll go off for an hour. And he's like, dude, just make the fucking game, Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that's like, so I don't have to skill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's fair. And I feel like, I feel that too, 100%. Like this game is just so multifaceted that it pulls you in with the force. Like, I was going back and forth with D&D &D, like a bad ex for so long. And, like, just head first, just, like, immersed into it. Yeah, when you go down your rabbit hole, don't forget to take me and Thomas with you because we'll, we'll always be there to... Yeah. Because, like, I'll, I'll hyperfixate, <laughs> right? And whether that's just my personality or my ADHD, I will hyperfixate. And for me, though... I really, really struggle to work with government and pretty much anything government oriented when it comes to world building. I hate it. It's yeah. it's an itch that I have that I just don't want to touch. But Leon is all like fucking <laughs> over. Like that is their thing. That is my and favorite part of DD. I think too as a DM, especially once you've been naming for a bit, or you do decide to do a serious campaign, because you could also just have a, a silly, goofy campaign too. It you become your own worst critic and that can also be a rabbit hole in itself. I can tell you the amount of times like with the sheer joy in dopamine that I'll get. Right. And I'm hoping I'll eventually have this too, where you guys are like, you know, it's been a good session, but like, you guys are like really wowed. And, and I've had a few of those with my other group, but that's because I, I had so many sessions where I really got to know them and really pick out like what'll work and, you know, everything else. But just hearing that, like, just seeing the look of just, like, excitement or astonishment on your face, and at the end of the session, you're just kind of blown away by everything that's happened, is such a rewarding feeling. But consequently, if, you know, there's a ruling that you make, and they're, you know, not with it, or there's a little bit of push there, or they're like, oh, well, if that's the case, like, why doesn't this make sense, or why can't I do this? All of that, all of that stuff can, you know, kind of poke at you a little bit and be like yeah yeah so yeah no it's it's hard as a dm have being your worst critic and stuff but i will say that if you get into this and stuff like that as long as you don't do something like absolutely like breaking boundaries stuff like that kind of stuff i promise you no matter what we all make bad calls and like that's really easy to say but like me and Thomas have both, we've made yeah. bad calls in the past. We both have had like regretful decisions. There, There's characters I've killed that I really would not have done again. There's things that I would not have done ever again. But like mm -hmm. my players still came next week. No one ever stopped coming. Um, I made a bad decision like in the middle of the campaign, like after a year, they stayed for another year. So like when you have players, especially experienced players too. Um, who yeah, have that's DMs, a really big difference. We all understand like 
whatever it was, maybe like the call you're not confident in making, like you, you're not happy that you did some things this way or another. Um, we all do understand like that we've been there before um, and we're more than willing to continue stuff like that. Yeah. And, so. and with experienced players too, there's, I, I would argue a heightened sense of awareness, right? So depending on the RP aspect or depending how you may react to like a player going somewhere or doing a certain thing, I'd like to think if we're really trying to be attentive about it, that, you know, we'll pick up and we'll, we'll back off or, you know, we know how long RP can take or how, you know, you may have had like done like a lot of prep and just really want to get us to this encounter. You know, we can pick up and be like, all right, Hey, you know, this is great, but like, let's, let's get a move on and, and go here. So. But because I think you'd be a really great DM, and I would love to see whatever you come up with, even if it's short term, you know, it doesn't have to be a long term campaign. Like most people will take a whole year more to prep out their campaign. I what rushed mine in like between one and three months because I'm a fucking maniac. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, like it definitely. Yeah. You're going to come into this uh, podcast being a player and you're going to leave being a DM. Me and Thomas are going to make sure of it. I mean, we'll we'll see. Sorry if I I look distracted. I found uh, I found a copy of Skyrim Special Edition on sale, uh, so oh, I downloaded. Nice. It. I wish I had found that. I just paid full price like this morning. Oh, Wait, refund did you get it, it Steam. Refund I, it? No, I, I, I did. It's on Steam. I got a Steam key. The oh shit. I'll sh I'll show you where I bought it, Leon. If you if you want after. Nah, this. it's fine. It's not going to be worth it. Because <laughs> it, it I, saved me like twenty six bucks. Uh, it's all right. I have that's, a big boy job. That's, I'm just going to tank it. All right. All right. I'm just getting money bags. Tank it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this works out, though, too, because I still need to test. I don't know how late either you're going to be on. Um, this podcast thank, is, has been great so far, too. This entire conversation has gone for longer than I anticipated. Mm. Um, I still have to test to make sure I understand what I'm doing with the fucking server. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I think uh, the only other thing I, I thought that I had that I remembered was when it came to backstories. Um, you wrote a very short one, ended up being an incredible backstory. I wrote a very elongated one. Jay wrote a uh, elongated one that was like five pages with like accompanying music for each section broken down. Um, so it, it's insane to see what players can come up with. But that's the thing, though, right, is being able to tailor it to both the setting and the campaign in a way that that's what makes it a good backstory, not the amount that you write as good as it can be. So yeah. like sometimes yeah. it's hard as a DM when you get that like 40 page backstory and you're like, oh, but concise to me, I love a one page backstory, to be honest. Yeah, it's uh, it. I, I like leaving shit open ended because if you if you pigeonhole yourself and you don't like how that player's playing out, you're like hoping you die. I I'd assume you know what I mean. It's like it's yeah. like get, get me out of this, like or let me make a new character or something. So it's, actually, I can attest to that. So Ricky's and again, I, I before I continue, like Ricky is a good DM and I he's one of my best friends. Ricky's style of DMing is just not the best fit for me. And that's another thing too. Um, just because of how you DM, it may like, there's always something to learn, right? But it may not always fully be you. Sometimes your DMing style just may not be a fit for that player. It happens. And it's something that, you know, DMs have to accept. 
and players have to accept even with Ricky, his style of, of DMing is honestly almost like a par- paradoxical to, to me. And like, we can make something together really well, but he focuses a lot on, on social aspects and in political intrigue some of the time <clears throat> and, and really gets into the nitty gritty of buying and rations and, and some other stuff. And it's a lot more realistic which is kind of against my nature and how I typically play. So I, my first character died. Um, his past few campaigns, I wasn't really a big fan of, but they were good. And a lot of the players worked with them and it took a little bit, but I had to learn that there was a lot of growth I had to do as a player in order to keep being a good player into playing his campaign. My second character died. I wasn't feeling it. I kind of just wanted out. I needed a break. And, you know, him and Connor and I had a heart to heart and I, you know, I told them my thoughts and they told me theirs and I didn't agree with everything that or I didn't agree with everything that they said, but a lot of it I couldn't refute. So I took that time, thought about the character I wanted to do, thought about how I wanted to play and how to manage myself within that campaign so that it could be beneficial and I wouldn't be railroading what was going on in the campaign. So that's something else to keep in mind, too. And I think with doing that, anyone that's going into that has to have a level of of being able to be humble, I think, too. Uh, but if you can do that and you can keep everything else in mind, there really is no wrong you can do as a player or as a DM. Like Leon said, you may make the wrong call, but at the end of the day, your friends playing a game and those are the characters feelings. They shouldn't be yours. And it is what it is. You know, we're yeah. just here to have fun. Sometimes it's just like shit happens. It's a game. And, like, yeah, and, like, it does suck when styles clash. Because sometimes it's like, man, I just really want this to be, like, great for everyone. And just sometimes you just don't meld. Like, I feel like the campaign over the summer in 2019, maybe it was, I was, like, I felt like I was doing it to service to Layla just because she had such a good developed backstory. And she had such an intriguing character. It was an amazing character. That campaign was just something so, like light and fast that i was like yeah because everyone else's characters were very like loose and fun um and then there was just like this heavy role play side from her which was great it just what the campaign was it just i wish what i could have done like i wish it was in a campaign where I had all my world building out on the table, things like that. Cause then that her character would have really freaking flourished if it was in like one of my convergent plane settings, because there's like an actual world to explore. You guys were just hopping the to town to town and shit. So. Yeah, honestly. So, but that's, that's pretty much all my thoughts. Um, I don't know if you, Leanne or you, Ethan have any uh, other final things you want to touch on or comments or anything like that. But uh Otherwise, I'll probably wrap this up. Yeah, no, thank you for everything. Great GM, great player, great D&D son. Flatter me. Yeah, no, it's, this was great. This was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to our next session. And I'm always happy to be on your podcast, Thomas. Um, that's sponsored by Boko Haram. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Podcast is not sponsored by Boko Haram. Thank you. Thank you, Ethan, yeah. for that. All right, well... As the title states, welcome to another Marvels and Maniacs podcast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you again this upcoming week 
Wait, no, I don't know how to speak. English isn't my vocabulary, I guess. We'll see you Saturday. Thanks for tuning in, guys. You guys stay safe and have a good night. Or if you're listening to us in the morning, thank you for choosing us to start out your morning with. Take it easy.